Welcome back to another episode of My Mess is My Message. My name's Allie, and I'm so excited to be with you all today. Today on the podcast, I have Alicia Pope, who is a holistic health coach, Pilates trainer, and the host of the Purely Podcast. Her goal is to help women feel their best and how to learn to be their best friend. I discovered Alicia's content more recently, and I wish I had found her page sooner because I find so much value in everything that she has to say. During today's episode, Alicia shares with us what led her to pursue her current career in the wellness space and what health means to her. Alicia shares so much wisdom about the power of the mind, the importance of self-love, Pilates, and so much more. I found so much value in what Alicia had to say, so I cannot wait for y'all to listen. So let's get into it. Hi, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. I'm happy to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, I recently discovered you after listening to a podcast episode where you were a guest and I discovered your page, your podcast, and all your content and I've been following you since then. I wish I had like discovered you sooner just because I see so much value in what you what you talk about and everything you've learned in your past. I can connect with a lot of it. So I'm really excited for my audience to hear your story and talk about what you do. So if you want to start by just introducing yourself and telling the audience what you do. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much. That's so kind. Um, so I am Alicia Pope. Um, now my last name is Eric, but purely Pope is my brand and that's my maiden name for anybody that's wondering. And so I'm like, I'm not dropping that publicly yet. So I'm Alicia Pope Eric, and I am a holistic health coach. I'm a Pilates trainer, host of the Purely podcast, and also the founder of Purely You, which is my on-demand Pilates and health coaching platform, which is essentially your home for becoming that best version of you and becoming the happiest and healthiest version of you in a way that is, I call it like body-loving Pilates and really motivational mindset work because I think it's really important to pair the two. I live in Santa Monica and that's just who I am and what I do. And I'm really passionate about sharing it because I have had such a long history of like a negative relationship with like food and exercise and mindset and being a people pleaser and all of these things. And I just learned a much better way for myself to approach all of those things. And that's what I'm so passionate about sharing now with women, because I've been able to see such you know, changes in my own life and also like people that I've worked with and things like that. When we just really focus on shifting our mindset and shifting the intention behind what we're doing and why we're doing it and how, how instrumental that can be in our life and how big of a difference it can make. So that's about me and what I do. And I'm sure we can dive in anywhere to any of those things. Yeah. Well, I completely agree that your mind is so powerful and I'm really excited to ask you more about your career and everything you've learned. But before we do that, I would love just to hear a little bit more about your background, your story, and just how it's led you into this career. Yeah, totally. So if I'm thinking back, like as far as I can remember, I was always a people pleaser and I was always focusing on how do I make other people like me and getting that external validation? And that's something that I learned. Like if I really think back, I think it's funny, like when you do all this work and you notice it's like these things from like when we were in childhood. And if I really, really looked back, it was, it was back in elementary school that I noticed that. And another thing that I noticed really, really young, and I grew up in the nineties, it was like, you know, Weight Watchers and all these like thin, thin, thin models, like the 90s style modeling, all of that. That's what we were seeing in the low fat and all those things that was around us. And I really just noticed too, that people treated you differently dependent on how you looked. And that that's what I saw it from my lens of being like, in elementary school. Right. And so I was like, okay, how can I make other people like me? And so Looking into like college, I was always focused on being the fun one and never saying no to other people and not wanting to disappoint other people. And I gained a lot of weight freshman year and I did the special K diet. 
like, I don't know if you remember that, but it was essentially like you literally just ate cereal. And I remember even going back to high school to like taking it back a step, I would always eat salads and like, you know, my mom was pretty healthy and would like cook in a healthful way, but I just would notice, I was like, okay, well, like these things are bad. These things are good. This is what you eat, whatever. And I would try to implement that. And then when I went to college and was just focused on like all that people pleaser things, I after doing the special K diet and I came back sophomore year, this is what's really interesting about diets and diet culture and anyone that's ever had a a interesting or negative relationship with food. I got so much positive feedback when I came back sophomore year from so many people and like attention from those, from people around me. And so it was almost like reinforcing those bad habits and it was reinforcing like, oh yeah, this is what you do to get people to like you and get attention and et cetera. And so all throughout college, that's kind of like what the narrative was. And it was excessive drinking and not eating enough. And I'd always go for the low fat, low carb, et cetera. And then going into that kind of continued into my 20s. But then as I moved into like the second half of my 20s, self-love kind of became more to the forefront of my mind. And that was happening for a few reasons. I kind of hit like a breaking point when I was in this like super toxic relationship and I just noticed I was like, it's kind of like he pushed me to like an edge where I was just like, what the hell am I doing? And I had this wake up moment with myself and I realized that I was so focused on like becoming somebody that somebody else could love that I wasn't making choices like that could make me love myself or, and that I wasn't making choices from a place that I wanted to, that would make me happy. Right. So like I was saying yes to people of going out or doing things that I didn't really want to do when I wanted to do other things. And so I started to say no more, which was great. And I actually realized that I'm like, okay, well, the people that are around you are going to support you. And I started to choose things like, um, you know, going, and waking up early for a yoga class on Saturday instead of going out and drinking on Friday nights and things like that. And like my friends were supportive of it, even if they weren't making the same decisions that I was. And it was more of a me thing that I was worried about what they were going to think of me if I made different decisions. Right. So looking back on that, like I see that retrospectively. And so it also became around that time when I was just focused on me. That's when I met my now husband in, um, in Greece, we were like on vacation. And so he had noticed all these things that I was like sharing or whatever. And I got a new job opportunity because my job at the time was in corporate event planning. And it just so happened, like when I was really getting into like the health and wellness space, I was just really interested in it, reading about it, learning about it, et cetera. It's not that I had like a great relationship with it at that time. I I think my idea around what health and wellness was, was still so different then than it is now. But he said, he was like, well, if you're going to take this new job, which is like in a wellness event space, he was like, why don't you start sharing about it on social media? And I used to have a blog in college. And so I loved writing and I really loved sharing. And I was that person that like my friends would always ask, what are you making for lunches this week? Or what are you doing for your workouts this week? And like, we would kind of do that together. And I would kind of tell them all these things and share And so I started to share that online. And once it started to kind of grow, I wanted to get more validity behind it. And so that's when I decided to become a health coach. And so I started doing that on the side as I was planning these wellness events. So I just got more engulfed in the wellness culture and career. And when I started coaching, I started to realize because of course, over the span of the time, it's like my relationship with food evolved. I realized I was in a super restrictive diet. I realized it wasn't working for me. So I started to heal my own relationship with food kind of behind the scenes because I'm not somebody who ever wants to like bash or bring down any, what anybody else is sharing on social media. Like that's the part of like in this quote unquote influencer space that like makes me uncomfortable. It's like, yes, I want to share my true opinions, but like, if I don't like something, I'm probably just not going to talk about it. Right. I'm not going to like go and speak negatively about it or whatever. So it's kind of like figuring that out behind the scenes. And then when I started taking on clients full time, because the events business stopped because of COVID. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take any free clients for a month. And that's how I kind of started the the health coaching full time. 
And when I started doing that, I realized that I wasn't the only one that was getting a negative relationship with food from this diet culture that I was really engulfed in. And so I started to notice that it was affecting so many other women too, in a much bigger way than I realized, which is how I kind of pivoted to like, okay, so this is the, what people are coming to me for is like this intuitive eating food freedom. And so I started to share like my journey with that. And throughout all of that time too, I, um, you know, with the working with clients, whatever, I've always loved Pilates. And that's kind of something that later on I wanted to invest in to become a Pilates trainer and share that because I think again, and like we can dive into this deeper, but just so I'm not going on too long of a rant here. Um, but again, it's like, you know, with the, with the workouts and movement and exercise, my relationship with that has definitely evolved over the years too. And, I just noticed that there's still so much out there and like, there's so many amazing instructors out there now too, which is like, thank God. But I noticed that I was moving for the wrong reasons. And when I found Pilates again, because I found it a really long time ago, but when I came back to it, I just noticed I was feeling really energized after doing the movements. I was feeling so good in my body. I was treating my body with a lot more love than like kind of like being at war with it. And also I wanted to bring a lens to the Pilates space and like to this form of movement that is really focused on mindset set to through the coaching and that because I think that so often it's like there can be all this negative verbiage used in the exercise space like let's burn those love handles or let's like trim that fat or whatever it is and it's just not like the energy that I ever want to be taking in or putting out and so I wanted to kind of like blend the two like how can I teach this like amazing form of movement that I love through also my my lens of like moving from a place of love, changing that intention behind where you're moving and sharing that sort of message and like movement too. And of course I launched the podcast along that, that route too. So, so yeah, that's like how I got into it in a very long story told short. <laughs> no, well, it's all, it's so amazing. And what I think so incredible is that like, not only are you helping people that were in a position are now in a position that you were maybe a few years ago or like but also you're sharing your story, which is so incredible because it's something people can like connect to, which is like something that I've like connected to from your story, yeah. just like the whole people pleasing thing. I feel like many years ago, I also want external val validation and I looked to like the media or what was praised it to kind of mold into something that I thought would be praised. And through that, like, you know, digging myself deeper and deeper, losing myself deeper, like all the time, because I was just trying to mold into something that I thought was like going to be accepted versus if I had just been myself, like I would have been accepted by the right people. Yeah. So I think like what you're doing is so incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Of course. And so I guess like for starters, if you just want to talk about a little bit as a holistic health coach, what you do and what holistic health means. Yeah, totally. So I think for me, holistic health, it's it's so much more than just what you eat or how often you move your body or even how you look. I think it's more of a feeling and it's how you're feeling in your mind. And it's also because I think that it's like if in the name of health, if you are missing social things, if you're feeling stressed when you're hanging out with loved ones because of food on the table or because you're getting out of a routine, et cetera, like that is not health through my eyes. And I think it's like when we're looking at health holistically, I think number one, the most important thing is our mindset. And then also like how you're feeling. So that's really what I work with my clients on is focusing on the feeling, like what is going to make you feel good with movement, with what you're eating, with, you know, the, the habits that you're doing, with the people that you're surrounding yourself with, with the energies that you're taking in. And it's, like I said, it's so much more than just nutrition or anything. And I think it's also coming from this like abundance mindset of how can I really show myself love today and like changing the questions that you're asking, like what is going to make me feel really good each and every day and truly feeling 
great in your body and your mind. Like that is holistic health to me. And so when I'm working with my clients, that's kind of like one of the first things that we look at is there's this tool called the circle of life um, with IAN that I use. And it's kind of like this pie, right? And, And they call it primary foods because there's not even a thing of nutrition on there. And nutrition is actually like your secondary food. And when you're looking at all these primary foods, it's things like career, relationships, social life, home environment, home cooking, all these things that like we don't necessarily think of when we think of health. But when we're looking at it, it's like we could eat the cleanest diet in the world. But if you are crazy stressed at work, if your relationships are strained, if you are financially stressed, like all of these things, then you are not going to be quote unquote healthy And I think that's part of it too, is that like, there's no perfection when it comes to our health. And I think like there's definitely phases. And when I'm thinking of holistic health too, there's no finish line when it comes to your health. So like, I think that diets really focus on a finish line. Right. And I think that that's like something that like removing that finish line mentality has been so key for me personally and, and looking at health holistically and seeing like, no, every day we're showing up and asking ourselves like, how can I feel good today? And that's really like what holistic health is to me and, and how I work with my clients. And typically like it's on a six month basis and we're checking in once every two weeks. And there's like a different kind of course or curriculum with everybody that I'm working with um, and dependent on what they need and what their goals are. But also another big piece of that, I think, is focusing on these really small little changes that are going to add up to make incremental change over time. Because again, there is no finish line. And it's like, we want to make sustainable lifestyle habits and not adding anything on or on top of that until that one thing that you're focusing on becomes like second nature. Like you don't even have to think about it. So that's like a little bit about my approach and like what I think holistic health is. Yeah. That, I mean, that's awesome. And I love how you, obviously health is not just nutrition. There's so many things that are also incorporated in, into health. And also I love that you mentioned there's no finish line because I think when I was really struggling, I was constantly trying to lose this certain, like get to this weight or eat like perfectly or stuff like that. And when you take away the finish line, it just like allows you to live a little bit more presently, think a little bit less about it and just be a little bit more relaxed. Um, but I know you talk a lot about intuitive eating and I just would love if you could talk about what intuitive eat, excuse me, what intuitive eating is and what steps you can do to implement that into your lifestyle. Yeah, totally. So I think intuitive eating has gotten like so much great press, which is amazing. Um, cause I am, I talk about intuitive eating as a whole session that I work on with my clients and I think it's really, really important, but I think like so often the biggest question that people ask and like I had, um, somebody asked me this in a group program. She's like, okay, like I get it. Like the intuitive eating part, but like, how do you actually be intuitive? Right. Cause it's like, <laughs> there's all this talk about it, but it's like, okay, but like, what is it putting into practice? And I think one of the biggest things is slowing down. Like we are so go, go, go that we barely even take the time to think like what, what is going to make me feel good going back to that question, right? Like what is going to really serve me both physically and emotionally in this moment? And then this is if we're talking about food. So I think that intuitive eating is essentially like being able to show up to each meal and nourish your body in a way that's going to feel good, both physically and emotionally. And I think that that's going to be something different for every single person. And it's going to look different for every single person. And I think part of the premise of intuitive eating too, is the concept of bioindividuality, which is essentially the fact that like diets don't make sense because every single person is completely different and every single person needs a different way of eating. Right. And also like every person is going to need a different way of eating in each different phase of their life. Right. I think that's a really important thing too. It's, it's being flexible with yourself and knowing that you're not a stagnant being, especially as women, like we are changing so much. And as you're going through these phases, like it's important to just be able to show up and ask yourself and not necessarily have like rules or parameters around like what you have to eat or what you're quote unquote supposed to eat. Because 
then you're able to truly listen to your body and ask because our bodies are talking to us all the time. So I think like what intuitive eating is to answer the first part is it's truly being able to tune into your body and listen to what your body is telling you that it needs. And I think that is one of the things where it's like that slowing down piece is really important. So I think implementing the pause is something that I talk about with my clients a lot. And it's like this phrase that I love to use because I think so often we get kind of like strayed by like cravings, right? If cravings come up. And I think implementing the pause is so key because it allows you to actually check in with yourself. And it doesn't have to be like 10 minutes, right? But like it can just be taking a step back and asking yourself like, am I genuinely wanting this or needing this? Or am I like trying to mask some other feeling, right? So I had this moment where I actually like started to realize that this was a thing for me that I was doing when I lost my aunt a few years ago. And I kept going for the wine every single night that week. Like there was a night and there was a week in between that I was going to be with family, like from when I heard the news that she had passed and I just kept going for the wine because I just felt like my body, I was so emotionally and physically like drained and upset and all the things. And I kept reaching for a glass of wine every single night, like one to two glasses. And finally on like the fourth night, I paused and I asked myself, I was like, do I genuinely just want to enjoy this glass of wine because I want to, whether I'm, I just, I need it or I want it, whatever it is. And the answer was, no, I don't. The answer to me was like, I'm actually just masking the feelings that I'm feeling because they're really freaking hard to feel right now. And so in that moment, I went and I I didn't pour the glass of wine. I went and like, I wrote a letter to her and I ended up reading it at her at the celebration of life. And so it's moments like that, that we can pause and ask ourselves. And if we just slow down, we can actually start to see like, what is going to make us feel good in that moment. And in that moment, like, cause I've, I've talked about this with somebody too before. And like, she kind of called out, she's like, yeah, but it might not have been like what made you feel good in the moment, but like, it probably made you feel good afterwards. Right. So sometimes it might be making the harder choice to like face the emotion that you're feeling if it is an emotional eating thing. So that's like the cravings part. That's kind of just a tangent. But I think another really important thing outside of the slowing down is removing the rules. If you still have rules that you are listening to about what you should eat or what you shouldn't eat or about what can be on your plate, et cetera, you need to just start removing those and figure out what your fear foods are. So like you can just take out a journal or pen and paper and just start to think about it. Or even if it becomes to the forefront of your mind, you can just start like a note section in your, in your phone. Cause I think when situations come up, then we're able to notice things a little bit more if we're trying to like really think about it and just start noticing like, what are those for you? Because usually if you have any, rules or any fear foods that you're still avoiding, they will come up later in like a binge sort of situation too, where then when you're exposed to them, then you can kind of see and like look at it and be a little bit reflective with it. So I think that's number one, because when you do have these external rules, essentially what you're telling yourself inadvertently is that I can't trust my body, that I can't listen to my body. I need these external set of rules to tell me what is good for me when like in truth, that's BS. Like, you know, what's best for your body. Nobody else does. So I think that's really important. And then the other thing that like helped me so much with intuitive eating is implementing an addition mindset. So instead of thinking from this place of lack, which is what I always did with food, like, oh, I can't have that. I can't have this. I can't have that, whatever. I always think like, what do I need to add to feel good both physically and emotionally? Like that question coming up, like that's my constant question that I'm asking around intuitive eating. And I'll ask myself that because I think that the education component is important around nutrition. I think it's empowering for me. It's been empowering for me. It's been empowering for my clients to just learn like, how can I balance my blood sugar? How can I eat in a nutritious way without having like too many like rules around it and without 
knowing and with knowing that it, like it doesn't have to be perfect every single time, but I think having that education is important. So like I always ask myself like, okay, I'm going to add in, what am I adding in for protein? What am I going to add in for fat? What am I going to add in for carbs? What am I going to add in for fiber? Is there anything else that I'm craving that I want to add in? Okay, let me add it onto my plate, right? So thinking from that addition mindset, that abundance mindset, rather than that elimination or restriction mindset too, which I think is really, really important. Definitely. I mean, there's so many amazing things that you just mentioned. I think just one thing was just one thing that I struggled with when first like shifting to more intuitive eating, trusting my body was really letting go of that perfection mindset, which I think you fully have to do because, and you have to fully let go of all those food rules. And every time it like, maybe the voice comes back to remind you, you have to like push it away and just trust yourself and listen to what you want. Because I think I struggled a lot with that. Like I was just like, there's no perfect way to eat. So you can't really mess it up if you're fully listening to yourself. So that was one thing that I really had to try to remember as I was like kind of shifting to more intuitive eating. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think also remembering that like it's a constant process. It's not an overnight thing. And it's like all of these ideas that we have around food, especially if you're coming from a place of like yo-yo dieting or just maybe having a more negative relationship with food or a restrictive place, whatever, like knowing that like that got built up over years and years and years. And it's continuing to be built up by external sources. Like we can't live in a cave, right? Like we're going to see things on social media. We're going to see billboards. We're going to hear ads. We're going to see something on TV or we're going to compare ourselves to this person on whatever. And I think that remembering that it's a constant process, it's not an overnight thing. And knowing that if a thought comes up that is a negative, like maybe it's more of a diet culture thought, maybe it's something that it's negative. That's a thought that you were trying to change and get over. You didn't fail. You don't like that's, that's not, it's not like I still have thoughts that come up that are negative around food, but Mm -hmm. now what I will do is like one, they become a lot less frequent. So know that. And two, I think when they do come up, I know that I'm like, wait, it's like, it's that pausing, right? It's wait, how can I shift that? No, like that is BS. That is this diet culture talking. Like you can, you can kind of separate from yourself, whatever you want to do. If you want to call it like a name or if you want to call it whatever it is, like that's this person talking. It's not me. And this is what I know to be true. This is the reality. This is what I'm choosing to believe. And I actually recently just had um, somebody on my podcast, Amanda Butler, the episode actually just came out today. And she mentioned that like this, we were talking about body acceptance and food freedom, like all the things. And she had this analogy, which I absolutely love. She said that it was like an iceberg. Like you have to think about it like an iceberg in your mind, right? So whatever these like thoughts are that you're trying to get away and you have to continually chip away at it. And it's not going to go away all the time. Like it's going to take time to melt and to get away from your mind, but know that like over time, like that iceberg comes a lot, a lot, a lot tinier and just like keep going and knowing that it's like, you can choose the thoughts that you believe and like choose to shift your thoughts too. Definitely. And I can just very much relate to it. Cause I mean, I struggled with years with different eating disorders and then you know, you can't expect yourself to just immediately be healed, even if like you want to heal or your mindset, you feel like it's healed. Like I still obviously like have things come up and like the voice pops up and it's like, like you said, it's just more frequent. The more you say like, no, that's not me. And that's not truly what I'm thinking. Like the easier it's going to become and it's going to be more of a habit and a practice. But I used to beat myself up every time I would have a thought, like, why am I like still thinking this way? And it's just like, it's like, it's just part of the process. Like when you like trained your mind to like label so many foods as good and bad or label so many different habits. Like it's just hard to unlearn. So it takes a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love the power of slowing down. I think that's truly what healed, like kind of like my relationship with like food and everything, because I would like, instead of like, cause I, at one point I struggled with a few different things, but our binge eating was one of them. And I remember just, I would get that urge to binge and I like would just immediately go to the food. And eventually I stopped, like I started pausing and slowing down and be like, when I'd like be overwhelmed, be like, oh wait, instead of like going to get food, like, do I really want the food right now? What's triggering this, the, like the binge feeling? Like it's really going inward and kind of figuring out like what you truly want. And if, is that, is that actually going to serve you all that? So I think there is so much power in the pause and like slowing down because like you said, it's such a busy world. Everyone just wants to continue moving, but it's really powerful to slow down. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think it's just like, 
being more gentle with yourself and your body. And again, like switching that intention behind like what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it's just like, that goes into like the exercise piece of like moving because you love your body and you want to support your body. And it's like eating in a way that's fueling and nourishing to your body. And like, you know, it's like, I think that that's all goes with the like slowing down piece as well. Definitely. And just so there is so much power in the mind. And I think the way like your thoughts really contribute to how you live your life, how you view your life. So I just am curious if you can talk a little bit more about the power of the mind and also how important it is to shift to a more positive narrative and then how to do that. Yeah, totally. I am obsessed with mindset shifts. It's like what I uh, implement and like the the thing that I look towards for every single area of my life of how can I shift my mindset around this and a tool that has helped me so much with this is the daily stoic and stoicism in general. I'm obsessed with Ryan Holiday, who's the author of The Daily Stoic. I've read every single one of his books or majority of them. Um, And it's essentially looking at life from a way that like the only thing that you can control are your own thoughts. Like you cannot control anything externally and knowing that you have that power and that like that is not going to change anything like you know and I think that knowing that and that you have that power to change your thoughts and to change how you think about a situation like you cannot control that situation but you can change how you think about it and then that way you can change how you feel about it how it affects you emotionally physically mentally all of the things is so powerful and I think that when you're thinking about things, it's like just by starting to shift your mindset and shift how you think about things, you can make such the biggest the biggest difference in every single area of your life is it's really empowering. And it's also kind of scary because it's like our mind believes whatever we tell it, right? So if we're telling it negative things, if we're telling it all these things that are not benefiting us, that are bringing ourselves down, then that is also not great too. So I think that remembering that you have the power to choose what thoughts you are having and we, like I said, like we believe whatever we tell ourselves. So I think that when you start to think about what you want to happen versus what you don't want to happen, that's huge too. I heard this on a podcast once from um, Marissa Pierre. She's like um, a psychologist and she had used this example of like, she had mentioned that about what you want to happen, focusing on what you want to happen versus what you don't. And I put it into practice and I did it with something like paddleboarding, right? Because with paddleboarding, I would always say like, I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall, which is kind of like human nature, right? Like it's like, if we're thinking about things like negative thoughts I used to have, it was like, I don't want to get weight. I I don't want to gain weight. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to, you know, um, whatever it is, like all these negative thoughts that I used to have. And what do you do? Like, even I used to tell myself, like, if I eat carbs, I'll gain weight. And I basically like spoke those things into existence because I truly believed them. And I think just going on a little tangent there, like, our body and our mindset around food actually affects how we digest it and how our body uses the food too. So I think that like that old saying where it's like the stress that you have around food is worse for than you than like whatever food you're stressing out about. That is so freaking true because mm-hmm. our brain and our mindset is so powerful around that. And so going back to the paddleboarding example, like I would always just say like, I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get eaten by a shark, whatever. And what would happen? Every single time I would fall. And then I, after listening to this podcast, I was like, okay, I'm going to say I'm strong. I'm standing up tall. I am a great paddleboarder, like whatever. I didn't fall. I was the best, that was the best paddleboarding session I've ever had. Like my husband was like, can you wait up for me? Like he couldn't catch up to me because I was just like going so fast. I was like, I can't, like, I'm a great paddleboarder. I'm sorry. Like I'm in the zone right now. And so I think that just like realizing that the power of your mind and knowing that you do have the power to shift it. And like, I already talked about one of my favorite mindset shifts of like, okay, 
addition mindset over elimination mindset when it comes to your food. So just look at your life. Like that's what I would recommend is like a tool of like, look to see like, where are the narratives that you're telling yourself and you're believing and how can you begin to shift them? Right. So I used to have this like mindset around exercise that it had to look a certain way. It had to be depleting on my body. It had to be super hard. And what I did, I shifted my mindset around it by changing the verbiage that I used. So like I started to call it movement instead of exercise. So it's like, how do I want to move my body today in a way that feels good? And that's why I shifted my mindset around that because I was able to then remove the external like expectations around what exercise typically like quote unquote has to look like to be effective or how long it has to be, et cetera. And I started to ask myself, how am I moving today in a way that feels good? And that can be a five minute stretch. It can be a quick walk. It can be a Pilates flow, like whatever it is that's feeling good to me that day could be going swimming. Like I am moving my body. Right. And that is what allowed me to like heal my relationship with exercise. So I think that evaluating your life and seeing where are these narratives that are holding you back and how can you shift them? Because they're probably going to be different than mine that are, that are holding me back. I'm sure that people can relate to like the, the, the nutrition ones and the, and the exercise ones. But I think that realizing that you can do that. And I think that there's so many tools that go along with mindset. I mentioned one of them, the daily stoic. I read that every single day. It's a book that has a passage in it. Um, you can also start to journal. I'm obsessed with journaling. Like the five minute journal is so great. And I, that's basically something that really helped me too, because I was starting my days off thinking like, these are all the things that I have to do. And, you know, and like, I think that we are trained as humans to look for like the problems and look for what's going wrong. It's just mm -hmm. in our genetic nature. It's basically how our ancestors had to live, like what threats are coming at us. And so it's normal and natural, but I think it's such a difference to see when you wake up and say like, what am I grateful for? What would make the day great? What are these things that are, are going really well? Because when you start to focus on that, that's what becomes bigger, right? That's what is allowing you to grow in those areas. So that's another tool that I absolutely love is just like gratitude journaling um, and writing down. I love the five minute journal. It's something that I've used for years and it's really, really great. So that's like another tool too. Yeah, that is all so such great advice. And um, I truly believe like what you, be you believe what you think. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I told myself I was not enough as I was. I, and during this time, of course, I lacked so much confidence. And, and I was constantly, like you mentioned, trying to change. I was trying to look for the bad in everything about me and not looking at the good. And eventually I started shifting the mindset and I was like, I am enough the way I am. Maybe not to everyone, but I am enough. And I accept myself and it just gave me so much more confidence. I was much happier and just shifting that perspective made such a difference. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And if you want to just talk, cause I know you talk a lot about confidence. So just where does that confidence come from? Where did you get your confidence and what is some tips that you might have regarding confidence? Yeah, I think that confidence stems from self-love and from showing up for yourself because I think that the relationship that you have with every single other person in your life, which is, I think like when I think about confidence, I think about like how you're presenting yourself to other people, right. Stems from the relationship that you have for, with yourself. So I think that like the more sure that you get of yourself and the more that you show yourself that like you are worth showing up for and the more that you treat yourself in a way that is kind and loving and where you're prioritizing yourself and showing yourself that you're worth showing up for every single day that is how you get more confident and i think that the more that you do that the more that that confidence grows. And don't get me wrong because I think that like also I think I've gotten confident the older that I've gotten too. So I think that that's part of it. I was like just reading this quote this morning on like this girl did like this whole message along with confidence. And I think you get you the older that you get, I think the more that you realize that 
the people that matter and the things and the energy that you surround yourself is going to be supportive of like you being that best version of you and noticing that. And so I think that like your confidence is directly correlated as well to like the energies that you're surrounding yourself with, whether that is on social media or whether that's the people that are surrounding you, whatever that are going to be supportive of you taking care of yourself. Cause I think that again, I think it stems from self-love. Yeah, that's a great answer. And just, I think confidence also just comes from, like you mentioned, kind of keeping those commitments that you make to yourself. And also I think with age, like you said, you kind of just realize like the right people are going to accept you and you stop caring what other people think. I think I used to care way too much what people thought about me yeah. and that definitely hurt my confidence. So I think just accepting yourself, like you said, loving yourself is really important. 100%. And I think also it's like looking for that validation internally versus externally. And I think that's a huge, huge thing of like going from like going way back to when I was talking about like the people pleaser portion of it, right? Like I was looking for everything externally. And I think when you start to look for things that you need internally and start giving them to yourself, you will also gain confidence knowing that like you don't need all of these external things. Like, do you want it? Of course, right? Like, of course you want companionship. Of course you want, you know, friends and all these other people to be like supportive of you, but to not need that, I think is another thing that can really help to boost your confidence and start looking for that internally and ask yourself like, okay, if I'm looking for this externally, like how can I give that to myself? How can I fill that cup up for myself? Because another thing is too, it's like when you're looking for that externally, one, it's a lot of pressure to put on somebody else. And two, it can go away at any time, you know? And so I think it's like when you're giving it to yourself, when you're giving yourself what you need, then that will also allow you to grow that confidence too. Definitely. One other thing I'm curious if you can just touch on, just because I feel like in our 20s or when you're like you're, just, you're younger, you're constantly comparing yourself to others, especially now that we have social media, it makes it a lot easier. What are your tips for you kind of, when you get stuck in that cycle of comparing yourself into other people's like timelines? Yeah, that's a really hard one. <laughs> I mean, it's something that I think is like a constant work in progress for me, especially just being like completely honest, because I think it's important too to share. It's like all of these things are, yes, they're things that I've like really focused on and like, and, and really focused on growing, et cetera, but it's always all a work in progress, right? Like I said, it's like, there's always things that you are working on. And I think like, it's kind of like the layers of an onion, right? It's like the more that you peel back, the more that you realize you're like, oh, okay, well this kind of needs like some work or whatever. And I think that comparison is definitely something that is tough for me with what I do too, with just like, you know, sharing in a public way. And, you know, there's so many people, there's so many health coaches out there and like whatever. But I think that like when you get into that point of comparison, number one, remember that social media specifically is a highlight reel. People usually are not sharing their hardest things that they are going through. And I think another like huge tip is like protecting your energy and, and owning that and like taking taking responsibility for if you are following somebody that is making you, you know, feel insecure about yourself, then like unfollow. Like you don't have to read their content. You don't have to look at their content. Like unfollow them or mute them if it's if it's something that you're comfortable doing with unfollowing. I think that's really important of like taking that and looking inward. I think it's Lauren Bostick, who always says this, like, she, I, I love her. And she always says that, like, she's like, if something is triggering to you, like, you need to look inside yourself and see why. So I think that part of it is too, if like you're constantly comparing yourself in a certain area, start to evaluate that on in yourself. And I, I actually just had somebody else on my podcast too. And he said, like, if you feel pain in a certain area, if you feel pain, like don't look at it as a negative thing. Look at it as something that you need to look further into that you can like, that maybe you're not aligned on, right? So for example, like if I'm in the place where I keep comparing myself to other health coaches or keep comparing myself to other Pilates teachers, whatever, I'll really try to like start to put my blinders on and I'll start to see like, 
why am I comparing myself to them? Like, what am I not doing? What am I not focusing on with my own self that is allowing me to get into that like vulnerable place of comparison too? So I think that again, shifting your mindset around it, like instead of seeing it as something negative, maybe see it as something that's like, okay, I keep doing this. So what do I need to work on for myself too? Which I think is like something that can be really helpful because comparison is normal. Like we all do it. And so don't beat yourself up. But I think getting introspective about it can be really helpful too. And it's like, it's something that's helped me to get introspective about it as well. For sure. That's a really good practice. I've actually never really thought about it like that. Um, but kind of understanding what, why is that triggering you? Why is that bothering you? But I also like to remember like when I get caught in comparing myself also just like no one has it figured out nor will you ever have it figured out. It's like you're a constant work in progress. There's no finish line. line. Like you're never going to like hit the destination. Life is a journey and you're constantly going to make mistakes and just learn along the way. Exactly. And there's always going to be somebody that is further along than you right? Like like in any area, literally any area in life, there's always going to be somebody that is better than you in that area, whether it's like a profession or something, you know what I mean? That's like, that's further along than you. Like you are amazing as you are, but like also that gives you something to like strive towards too, right? I'm not talking about like body comparison or whatever. This is more so like in the career space or, you know, like if there is something where it's like somebody has like a family life or something that like you definitely want or romantic relationship, et cetera, like something that you want, look at it as like they can do it. So can I like, instead of looking at it from a lack mindset of like, why them and not me look at it as like, if they can do it, I can do it too. That just means that it's possible. This is the world telling me that this is like reassuring me, right? Like look at vision boards. Like we put all these things on our vision boards. It's not like we're like comparing ourselves to those things. We're striving to get towards those things, right? So when you're seeing something that you want to try to, again, like if you have a negative thought come up, try to start to shift that. Like, okay, no, actually, yes. Like, am I, did I feel like a ping of jealousy for a second? Yes. But maybe it's just the universe telling me, like, look what is possible. Like, you can get that too. Definitely. Again, it's all about shifting the mindset, shifting the perspective. No, yeah. I really like Which that. It's a lot easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. But, but these are all the things that we can strive towards. <laughs> exactly. Just shifting back to your career as a Pilates instructor, I would love if you could just like talk a little bit more personally, because I've never done Pilates before. Just like, what is Pilates and what are the benefits of the exercise? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I'll have to give you a membership so you can try it out. Um, Pilates is amazing. So it was originally actually called Contrology. Um, and it was, it was founded by this guy called Joseph Pilates. And so when he was thinking about it, it's like, it's a very smart form of movement. And essentially what it is, it's focusing on your posture and focusing on really aligning the body and like how it is supposed to be aligned. So all of the movements are like very precise. Like there's all these different Pilates principles that Pilates is based off of. It's like control, precision, breath, all these different things. And if you think about Pilates, it's a lot of it is realigning the body of how you are supposed to, you know, properly function. Right. So it's kind of like a lot of people like say like chiropractors or physical therapists, like they all really love Pilates. So it's kind of like in that same like field, if you're thinking about that. So, and in terms of benefits of Pilates and also just elaborating on like what Pilates is, I think there's, there's a lot of different forms of Pilates. And especially, I think now a lot of people have put their own twist on it, of course, which is like happens with any form of movement and there's mat Pilates, number one, but there's like a lot of different forms of mat Pilates. Even on my platform, I have a few different formats. I have mindful mat sculpt, which is a little bit slower, but slower does not always mean easier. So it's like slower, more controlled movements, more classical Pilates inspired with no equipment, just using your own body weight. And then there's elevate, which is adding in, you know, props, whether it's bands or weights or a ball, things like that. And then there's also cardio Lotties, which is like, still 
inspired by the Pilates movements, but really focusing on getting your heart rate up higher. And Pilates is sustained cardio, whether you are, whether you realize it or not, your heart rate is going to be up. Um, but then there's also reformer Pilates. So that's on the machines and there's another type, there's a mega former as well, which I think is getting a lot of, um, popularity, but a lot of traditional Pilates teachers will say like that isn't traditional Pilates. It's a lot more um, resistance on the body than than a reformer would put on you or on your body. So there's like different, like if you look at it, like Legree method, that's not traditional Pilates. Um, so if you're looking at like reformer Pilates, so that's another, and that you have to like go into a studio for. So there's Matt Pilates and then there's reformer Pilates with the machine. Um, and so when we're thinking about the benefits of Pilates, they're like endless. I could talk about this for days, but one of my favorite things is like, number one, it's super gentle on the body and it can be for every single body, which I love. There are so many different levels and forms to each and every movement. So it can be very transformative for everybody from like kids to elderly to, you know, us, like you and me, like it, it, and that's something that I thought was really humbling when I went through my training. It's like the more that you listen to the cues from your teachers and the more that you get the correct form, right. And like, cause Pilates is really, really focused on form and that posture and alignment and all that and the control and the precision of the movements, the more that you do that, the harder it's going to get. And so the first class I took once I started my Pilates training, like when I was going through it was so hard. And I was like, oh my God, I talked to the teacher and I was like, holy shit, like why was that 10 times harder than like every other reformer class I've ever done? And she's like, because you're activating your muscles correctly. Cause like you've understood how she's like, that's a good thing. She's like, the more that you do it, the harder it will get. And she's like, and that's how, you know, like you're doing it right. Of course, you're going to be able to do like more complex movements and more advanced movements, et cetera. But like you can always activate and it's something that you're always able to like kind of level up, which is really cool. Um, and then the other thing and like benefit I think is the mind body connection. So one of the principles of Pilates that I was talking about, um, is concentration. So like your mind is on the movement at all times, which is really good for mindfulness. As we know, it's like, it allows you to disconnect from the outside world, um, which is going to decrease stress. And of course, like it's great for brain health too, by really concentrating on like what your body is doing. And it's also really good to keep your brain working for the superior function of your brain, which is amazing. So like that mind body connection. And the other thing is, is that it's like the, the breath piece of it, right? So Every single move, you are inhaling through your nose, exhaling out of your mouth. And it's, so it's essentially, it's like you're doing breath work the entire class. And so you're learning how to control your breathing, which is great for your hormones. It's great for your cortisol levels. And it's great for decreasing stress and also, again, getting more oxygen to the brain and body. So that's really huge. Um, it's also core focused, which is our powerhouse. Our core literally supports every single movement that we do. And so every single <laughs> movement in Pilates stems from your core, which is great because it's also, it's the center of our body. It should be the powerhouse, right? Like it should be what's supporting us. It's what's able to support us. And then it's like, we're able to be less prone to injuries, like the strain off of our neck and our shoulders, et cetera. So that's really important. And again, it encourages that like proper alignment and posture. And another thing that I love is it's really good for like flushing toxins from the body too. So again, it's like such a smart form of movement that Joseph Pilates created. So if you think of something like the hundreds, right? So the hundreds is essentially, it's like you're almost in a boat pose and your legs are extended, your arms are by your side and you're pumping your arms as you're like creating your core and you're inhaling through your nose. And then exhaling through your mouth. So inhaling for a count of five, exhaling for a count of five. And you do that 10 times, which is like what it becomes the hundreds. And when you're doing that, it's like your one of your lymph node systems is right underneath your armpit. So it's like you're you're flushing out those toxins. You don't realize that it's like there's so many different moves like that where you're where you're activating your lymph system to really flush that out. So a lot of times people will say like, you know, I actually have a lot of flows on my um, <clears throat> on my platform too that are focused on deep loading because so many of the moves in Pilates are it's like it's flushing out the toxins. There's even a move called the stomach massage that's 
on the reformer where it's like, it's really good for digestion. And it's like, it brings your knees into your body, which is so funny. Like I saw my friend the other day doing this to her baby. She said, she was like, oh, she's trying to poop. Like, and she was pulling her knees into her, into her stomach and then pulling them out. She's like, my night nurse showed me this because it like helps them poop. And I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. That's like, just like one of the moves that we do in Pilates. It's called stomach massage. And it's like your knees go in and then they come out. So it's just like, it, it it's so beneficial to the body and mind. But I think that like the breath and the control and, and just moving in such a smart way is, is really, really great. Um, but I think that just finding a form that you love and you enjoy an instructor that like really makes you feel empowered and really good. And also that is giving you the correct form cues is really, really important because the form and just like getting that form down is, is key to, to seeing those like results and all those like benefits that I talked about. Totally. No, I'm excited to try. That sounds awesome. And I, it's just so well thought out. I feel like every move, like every single small movement creates such a benefit. So I think that's why in the beginning, it must be so important to really get down those basic movements so you can just grow from there. Yeah, totally. And if you do, like if you're really interested in Pilates and like maybe you want to try the reformer Pilates at a studio near you or whatever, I would recommend a lot of times, like if you're new to a studio, they will have like a new client special where maybe you can do like a one-on-one private just one time and then you can go into the group classes. Like that will be so beneficial for you. Um, and, and just getting that form down and understanding, like I said, like I had never taken privates until I did my Pilates training. And also like, once I started to notice that I was like, oh wow, like that's how it's supposed to feel or supposed to be, you know, and you'll get Mm -hmm. so much more out of the movements too. So I think that's like another thing to do, or even, you know, it's like you can set up a private with, I'm sure any instructor that you follow or that you look up to, whatever, like I do privates with people too, um, whether it's virtual or online. And I think in my new client sessions, like we really focus in a lot on getting that correct form down too. Like that's always a really good route to go. If you're brand new to Pilates and you're feeling like a little bit intimidated, that's like a really good thing to do. Okay, good. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm also curious. I know you mentioned that you read the Stoic and that's one book that you're interested in, like kind of wellness related, but are there any other podcasts or books you recommend the listeners check out? Yeah. Um, a podcast that I listen to religiously is the Skinny Confidential podcast. Um, I've listened to it since it came out. It's like what got me interested in podcasting in the first place. I think it's just great for personal development, growth, health and wellness, all of that. Another one that I love is the Ed Milet show. I actually just listened to his latest episode. It was really, really good. It was all about like how to not need a vacation from your life, which was awesome. Um, and then I'm trying to think of the other ones that I listened to too. Um, I also love the Max Lugavere show. Um, his podcast is really great too. Oh, Genius Life. That's what it's called. Genius Life. That's a really good one in terms of like the health and wellness aspect. I really respect him as you know, somebody in the space, I think he's like a very no BS kind of person. So those would be like my podcast recommendations. And did you ask for books too? Yeah. If you can think of any. Yeah. Books. I'm obsessed with, like I said, Ryan Holiday is my absolute favorite author for all things like personal development, growth, et cetera. The book that I love um, that taught me a lot about nutrition, if we're talking about like wellness focused ones, uh, is Body Love by Kelly Levesque. That's really what taught me a lot about like blood sugar and how to build a, a plate and build a meal and things like that. So I love that book for like a wellness focused one. Okay, cool. I listen to the Skinny Confidential, but I don't listen to the other two. So I'm definitely going to check those out. Yeah. And then also, I am just curious who's been your favorite podcast guest that you've had on and like why? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, That's hard. I'll give a few because it's like, I feel like it's like, I, I love every single one of my podcast guests, but I would say that some of the like my favorite episodes have been. Um, I really love the episode that I did with my friend, Aubrey Winters. She was incredible and like super vulnerable and shared so much about like her journey with teaching fitness. And also just like, I remember like the one thing that she shared that like really stuck with me is that the things that you resist the most are usually the things that 
we need the most too, or that are like going to bring us the most benefit. So like, that's like, if you're ever struggling with showing up for something for you that you're needing to do, like, just remember that. So her episode was really, really great. And then trying to think of another one. I really loved also like actually this was like the top downloaded episode last year was with my friend Ashley Carlson. And she talked a lot about hormones and health and wellness, like all things, nutrition, wellness, all of that. Um, so she was absolutely amazing too. I'll probably have her back on. So that's like a wellness one. And then I also really loved, uh, the conversation with Tori Simeone. That's a really good one on like motherhood and comparison and just like really finding like and protecting your peace. And then I'll give one more too, because I'm like, now that you, now that I like, I feel like I opened up a can of worms. There's another really good one. Um, actually two, one with Barry on Barry and then another one, um, I'm blanking on the other one. So with Barry is really good. And that talks all about your cycle and, um, and, and your period and all of that. And like learning about your period, because that is something that I'm so passionate about is like living in accordance with your cycle and moving in accordance and eating in accordance with your cycle, all the things. So that was another one too. So those are all like probably the top ones that I would recommend. Okay, cool. Well, I've definitely, I've already listened to like half of those. So I'll definitely check out the others. And then the last two things I like to end with is the first one being, what is your favorite quote or piece of advice? Oh, I know. I've like, you sent this over before and I was like, hmm, which one do I want to say? Um, I would say that like the number one piece of advice and quote that I love is that when it comes to disappointing somebody else or disappointing yourself, you have to choose to disappoint somebody else. And that comes from like the theme of everything that we've been talking about with like prioritizing yourself and and choosing to to really, really love yourself. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be that. I like that. Especially because at the end of the day, you really only have yourself. So it's really important that you do choose yourself. Yep. And then the last thing is what is something you do every day that brings you joy? I would say spend time with my husband. Um, I know it's like corny and cheesy, but that's like my favorite time of the day is just like being able to connect with him. And whenever I am feeling like down or low, he really helps to like kind of like talk me off a ledge or anything like that. So I think like connecting with that time that like is really what brings me like joy and like brings, you know, joy to my soul, et cetera. But I think also like with that, usually that is in the form of a walk. So I think like moving my body each day, I think it's like, it's an instant mood boost. And so it's like, we usually have this routine where we walk and we connect and talk and it's like, it's my favorite part of the day. Oh, boy, I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for being on. If you want to let everyone know where they can find you before I let you go. Yeah, of course. So everything is going to be purely Pope. So TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, all the things. And then my website is purelypope.com. And that's where you can find my on-demand platform. You can just click like the on-demand and that's where Purely You lives. And you can claim a seven-day free trial. So it, and then it's only $9.99 a month because that was something that was really important to me is just keeping it super affordable and accessible because I believe that all of these things should be open and accessible to women everywhere. So that was something I was super passionate about. So that's where you can get that. And that's pretty much where you can find me. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun and such a good conversation. Of course. 